thanks for tuning in. You're listening to From A to Gen Z with Connie Castle and Jale Brazel, cultural commentary and celebrity chat from two Gen Zers. Hey Connie, how's it going? It's going all right, Jale. How's it going with you? <laughs> yeah, it's good. How's your little trip away been? Yeah, so I went um, back up to my little uni town which was very fun, um, although they had a massive COVID outbreak and now I'm isolating, so that's all Gucci. Oh, um, there it is. But something I wanted to to mention to you, because I feel like I've heard you talking about it, is um, boys are obsessed with crypto, okay? Oh my God. Do you agree with me? Yeah. So some are... of the boys that I was staying with, like, they talked about it a lot, and yeah, I don't know what they're talking about, but every day they mentioned it and they'd be like, ah, ah, crypto, blah, blah, blah. And I just wanted to see your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this. My first is that we are living through two pandemics. Mm. One is coronavirus and the second is the male obsession with cryptocurrency. <laughs> so I have I have a very first-hand experience of this because my boyfriend is also obsessed with cryptocurrency. Right. And to be honest, like he's made a lot of money from it, so fair enough. That's and good. he has on many occasions tried to patiently and in a very nice way explain to me what it is. But I just have no interest. That's the problem. Like mm. I know it's a useful thing to understand, but I just don't care. Me neither. And the interesting thing about this is that we must have had so many conversations about it because I started getting targeted ads on social media about (laughs) cryptocurrency trading apps. And I don't talk about it outside of that. So, I mean, it must have been a real hot topic of conversation for quite a long time. I recently got this um, meme, which I I think I sent to you, um, which was like a reel and it was a man running away. And it was like when you just wanted to mansplain cryptocurrency to her, but now she's asking you what time you were born. (laughs) Um, But that is so true because I, okay, so again, a few years ago, I saw this tweet that was like, um, the stock market is just astrology for men. So true. It is, isn't it? Because it's like they're they're waiting for things to happen. Um, they're like monitoring it constantly. Like the way that you would read your star sign every day, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's so gendered. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't want to... The thing is, it's it's a worthwhile thing to be, to be very interested in and have a lot of knowledge about. But I just can't yeah. bring myself to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, but it has calmed down a bit now, to be honest. I think okay. the Euros have kind of taken over the... The male mm. psyche, I would say. Yeah. So, Jar, what have you been watching this week? I've watched the first episode of the new Channel 4 comedy series, We Are Lady Parts, Ooh. which has the best premise of any TV show in the history of the world. <laughs> it's about an all-female Muslim punk band. Wow. So cool. That sounds cool. As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is going to be so good. Um, so it's written, directed, and produced by Nida Manzor, um, who's written for Doctor Who and a few other shows. And it follows Amina Hussein, who's played by Anjanar Vassam. Um, and she's a 26-year-old PhD student who's on the husband hunt. So it opens with a really funny scene of her and her parents meeting a prospective husband and his family is far more religious than hers. And her parents like aren't really that bothered about her getting married and want her to go into railing. And she really wants to get a husband because all of her friends have husbands who oh, are engaged yeah. and she wants to kind of keep up with them. Um, but the punk element comes in because she's really talented at guitar. So she's a really good guitar player. And 
is a huge fan of people like Don McLean who oh. wrote American Pie. She has this poster of him on her wall, oh. which is hilarious because it's so retro. It feels so retro to have a poster of a pop star on your wall. True. Do you know what I mean? What a throwback. In this day and age, did you have any? Um, I think I, I think I might have had The Wanted. No, you didn't. <laughs> At one point, me and my friends were really big The Wanted fans. That's I so... I went to two concerts. No, you didn't. I yeah. never knew that about you. Yeah, it was an interesting phase. <laughs> that's so alternative of you because that's like a similar era to One Direction. But yeah, I wasn't that into One Direction. I felt like they were more the girls just a little bit older than me. I don't know mm. how you feel. Who's your favorite wanted? Um, my favorite was Jay. Which one? Was the that? one who's he went on Strictly Come Dance. <laughs> well, I'm so glad I know that. Anyway, so her equivalent is Don McLean. Okay. Um, and her friend teases her about having an old white man up on her wall and says mm. that she needs to keep it halal if she wants a <laughs> husband. Um, <laughs> but her whole issue is that she gets really extreme stage fright so she can't perform on stage because she throws up and has other issues oh dear um so the first episode is basically about how she's recruited into this punk band we are lady parts and i just thought there's so many unusual and cool things about this show which shouldn't be unusual so the fact that it's exploring the experience of muslim women from their own perspective because Mm -hmm. this band it already has three super loyal members and a band manager and they're all Muslim women um and the fact that it's a comedy but none of the jokes are at the expense of Islam as a religion and the main thing is that it doesn't represent Muslim women as this homogenous group which again shouldn't be shocking or original but is so I thought they they did that really nicely through how the women dress so in the band um their manager (laughs) <laughs> she wears a full niqab, which is like um, the headscarf that has a gap for your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that is done in a really nice way because she's constantly vaping and her smoke <laughs> like billows out the front of her veil. It's very funny. <laughs> I know, it's just a really good detail. And like all of these comic elements, they just build up so that you really feel like these people are distinct characters, but not in a conventional sense at all. They feel like funny, funny people that you'd that you'd hear about or come across. Um, and then another one of the band members wears like colourful hijabs with like draped in really interesting ways and then another one covers her hair with a scarf and another doesn't cover her hair at all so even that detail just shows a range that we're so not used to seeing on TV and other than that it's just really fun and it's just really silly Amina gives this fake like really dramatic epic voiceover and she just seems completely overwhelmed and bewildered by everything that happens in her life and it reminded me of another show that i'd watched recently called rami have you heard of it no i haven't so yeah so this is also on channel four but it was originally produced by hulu um in the states and that was about it was created by rami Youssef, who's a u.s comedian um he's egyptian american and the tone of that show is a bit different because it's a lot of like dark humor and there's quite a lot of surrealism in it and it deals with weightier issues it's kind of semi-autobiographical and it deals with him growing up in the states just after 9-11 okay when he was like a young kid so it's kind of more political in its scope um but i just kind of i match those two in my head because it's just nice to have more than one mainstream show that's dealing with the lives of contemporary muslims in the west yeah definitely that is doing it in a way that isn't relying on stereotypes and isn't doing it with an aim to sensationalizing mm. those those kind of lives. Um, and I also I can't wait for the time. I really want the band We Are Lady Parts to become like 
a real band in its own right. I yeah, want it to be. I, I want to release singles. Like you know, people just do nothing on BBC Three. You I know, haven't that's seen so cool. that either. So Go that's on, about on. that's basically about a pirate radio station, but Corrupt FM, who are the fake like DJs of the radio station are now like releasing stuff on Spotify oh, and really? they released a single with Craig David no and I way. want We Are Lady Parts to do the same thing. Welcome to From A-List to Gen Z, the segment where we talk in detail about the wild wild world of celebrities. So Jarve, what is going on in the celebrity world this week? Well, this has been gathering for some time and I've just been really plunging into it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's the news surrounding Britney Spears and the conservatorship that she's been put under. Yeah. So my deep dive has been the Pieces of Britney podcast, which has just come out, which is written by Pandora Sykes for Radio 4. Oh. And it's an eight-part series and it kind of recaps the story up to now and delves into various aspects of it and gives a lot of detail. So a brief bit of background. Britney Spears has been under a legal conservatorship since 2008, which basically means that her personal and professional life are both handled by her conservator, which in this case is her father, Jamie Mm -hmm. Spears. Um, And it's quite a limiting legal situation. She, She basically doesn't have any autonomy over her life she can't make any of her own decisions Mm. like she hasn't had access to her bank accounts since 2008 when she was placed under this conservatorship um and it explains in the first episode of this podcast that normally people who are placed under a conservatorship are for example people who have dementia who are mentally unfit to handle their own affairs or might not be able to protect themselves against fraud or something like that um but given that Brittany has been kind of at the top of her career for the last 13 years like she's had a residency in Las Vegas yeah she's been releasing albums um it seems highly unlikely that she's so incapacitated that she wouldn't be able to basically function independently um so I just wanted to to ask actually do you know or does the podcast explain like why exactly she was put under the conservatorship because obviously I I remember the pictures of her the iconic pictures of her shaving her head and obviously Mm. she had quite a big breakdown um, was it just that? Like, was that the reason why all of her stuff was taken away? Yeah, so she had these episodes that made it clear that she was quite mentally unstable. So the podcast mentions that there was this um, point, the reason that she lost custody of her children is because there was this point where she locked herself in the bathroom with one of her sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was other various events with paparazzi and the shaving of the head things from from the outside it's clear that this is a person who's not really coping that well so that is the that is basically the reason that she was initially put under it but the podcast also talks about how it was probably more down to the manipulation of her dad because she was living with and again it goes into the ambiguity of that of whether this external guy was helping her or whether he was harming her um and she was also dating someone new who she hadn't been seeing for that long. So there was various forces and Jamie, her dad, basically imposed himself on this and mm. did that by just exerting complete control over her by getting this legal cool. conservatorship. So that's, yeah, that's the lead up. A guy who was kind of outside of the family and outside of her manager set up. And it's gathered some pace in the last couple of years because her fans started a movement called Free Britney 
which aimed to draw attention to the situation that she's in. Um, and it was essentially a campaign for her to be freed from the conservatorship. Mm-hmm. And initially it was it was kind of this unusual situation where they'd they'd like comment on her Instagram posts and say things like, Brittany, if you need to be saved, then wear a yellow top in your next post. Because right. it's like she hadn't spoken about it for the whole time that she'd been put under it. And they felt that she didn't feel able to speak out about it. So there's these weird, like almost hostage situation, like coded messages that they were trying to like help her with. Which I actually thought nowadays we say a lot about how toxic fandom can be and how... Mm-hmm. Um, limiting and restrictive huge popular interests can can be on celebrities lives but I actually think in some ways that's quite a sweet thing like imagine someone being so invested and interested in your life that even if you're in this weird legal situation that no one's paid attention attention to for over a decade there's still people looking out for you yeah they love her yeah they love her so I actually thought that was kind of quite a sweet element um and then it gathered even more pace because earlier this year a documentary was released called Framing Britney Spears Um, which was exploring the lead up to the current situation. And then even more recently, in the last couple of weeks, it's all come to a head because Britney initiated court proceedings to free herself from the conservatorship. Um, And she read out this statement, which made it very obvious that she was not happy with the situation that she was in. Because up to this point, people kind of weren't sure what she actually felt about it, because it was all conjecture from the outside. But then in this court statement, she described her relationship with her father as abusive and said things like he loved the control he had to hurt his own daughter. Oh, my God. Um, and said, I just want my life back. So it's quite heartbreaking to read her perspective on events. Yeah. So back to the podcast. So the first few episodes recap the events leading up to her being put into the conservatorship in 2008. But I found the most interesting bits were when they jump back and explore her upbringing in Louisiana. Because I didn't even know, I didn't know anything about her early life, basically. I just knew her, yeah, as the pop princess. And I vaguely knew that she was a child star on the Mickey Mouse Club. She was of the same generation as, like, Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling and Christina Aguilera. But one thing I didn't realise that they go into quite well is that her family was actually really financially unstable before she hit the big time. So her mum would jet around with her going to all these different places um, and ensuring that she could like be a star on the show, do all these auditions. But the family actually didn't have that much money themselves. So there's this really touching bit where um, apparently her mum, Lynn, Lynn Spears, had to borrow money from Justin Timberlake's mum when both their kids were on the Mickey Mouse Club so that she could fly home to go to her mum's funeral. Like, it was that level of... Yeah, and and obviously Britney at this point was, like, on primetime TV, doing really well. She would have been, like, a household name. But it's just that disjunction between fame and wealth that, like, I think it's important to recognise. And they go into it quite well, thinking about how that financial pressure affects child stars in general. Um, yeah. they they have like Demi Lovato's little sister on speaking about how it's like a ridiculous weight to put on a young person when they know that their career is basically supporting, supporting yeah, the everyone they love and hundreds of other people you know stage crews producers record labels like it's just an insane amount of pressure um other bits that stood out when she was a 10-year-old on a talent show, when Britney was competing on a talent show, there's this clip of, like, the old man presenter of the talent show 
she's just given this amazing performance, like an incredible voice. You'd think it belonged to a far older kid. And the 70-year-old presenter asks her, like, oh, you're so pretty. Do you have a boyfriend? And she's kind of like, like, doesn't really know how to react, but is very sweet about it. And then he asks if he could be her boyfriend. Oh my God, that's disgusting. I know, it's so disgusting. And it's really unnerving to listen to now. And they chart it really well because that's basically her experience of being in the spotlight is people asking incredibly invasive questions, Mm. pinning her up as this sex symbol when she was, she was like 16 when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. Wow. Like so young. And she was already being kind of hypersexualized and, viewed in this way that people think it's acceptable to ask questions like that of someone who's so young um and but in line with that they also recognize that that was why she was so successful is because she harnessed this like zeitgeist of tweens wanting to seem Mm. more adult and wanting to seem like they were grown up and like they were sexy and like they were cool um And I didn't realise, but I think a part of this is that we don't give enough agency to the stars who make these massive hits. Because Hit Me Baby One More Time, which was her first, like, mega single, it was written by a a famous, like, record Mm -hmm. producer guy who was already established. Um, And I think we're so used to thinking, like, these child stars are engineered into the famous people that they're going to become. Like, they're so shaped by other you know, people who are used to pulling the strings. But apparently before she recorded the single, Britney stayed up the whole night before because she wanted her voice to have this like husky, sexy tone, which is what makes it like such a recognisable sound when you hear that on the track. So I thought stuff like that was really interesting because clearly she does have an eye for what's really commercial. And from a young age, she was aware of what people wanted to hear essentially one other thing to mention about the podcast is they they do kind of the deep dives really well it's explained in a really cogent way but then there are these slightly weird dramatic interludes that are like yeah they're like a fictional imagining of Britney's life and I can kind of see what they're trying to do that they're putting an imaginative spin on things but for me I would just I don't think they quite work. They're written by a playwright called Katie Hims. And it just is a bit jarring because you hear clips of Britney's actual voice. And then Mm. you hear clips of like actors who are pretending to be her. And you know that she might not have actually said those things. And it's a bit like, okay, this is mixing fact with fiction in a way that I'm not really sure is helpful. Because you're already giving me a vivid view. I don't know. It's quite confusing. Um, yeah, it is a bit, it was just a bit jarring when I first heard it. Um, I think it's such an interesting podcast series to do and it's come at such a good time because everything is really reaching a peak with the legal case. So if you want to get to grips with what's going on and kind of see how it's progressed in the last 13 years, it's a great Now it's time for Nice Nuggets of News, a segment where we discuss uplifting news stories that might have passed you by. So you have an extremely dramatic nice nugget today. 
Tell me yes, about it. Yes, I do. So my nugget you might have seen, uh, lovely listeners, is that a British woman fought off a crocodile who was attacking her sister recently. Oh my God, so stressful. It's mad. So yeah, 28-year-old twin sisters, Melissa and Georgia, were swimming in a lagoon in Mexico and they've been doing like a tour of the world to travel and volunteer and stuff like this. Um, when a crocodile dragged Melissa under the water, and basically her sister Georgia obviously freaked out and I think she's a trained diver so she just like took the situation into her own hands went under the water and punched the crocodile on the head multiple times to fight it off her sister um and basically it sounds like the attack took a long time she like the crocodile fought her off the crocodile got the sister into a death roll I'm not 100% sure what that means but I don't really want to find out um but George Georgia still pursued the crocodile and eventually even though the crocodile like bit her and fought her off she managed to punch it enough times that it released Melissa so Georgia could like grab Melissa and take her up to the surface oh my god so, what an absolute hero basically mm. Um, yeah, so she, they were both quite badly injured. I think Melissa a lot worse than Georgia, but Georgia was like bitten by the crocodile on her arm. And Melissa was put into a medically induced coma basically because her injuries were so bad. Um, she had like sepsis, a torn bowel, crocodile bit like all of her leg and tummy and stuff. Um, but she's now woken up, she's breathing on her own and it looks like they're both going to make a full recovery, I'm pretty sure. So. Oh, that is such good news. What a nice nug. Yeah, and well so done to brave. Georgia for saving her sister Melissa. How brave! Indeed. So we obviously both have one sister each. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how would you react if you saw your sister being dragged uh, off by a crocodile? I mean, I would absolutely freak out. I think I would like to think that I would pursue the crocodile like Georgia, but I'm not a trained diver, so like, would I be able to to do that? Like, stay underwater for that long? I don't know. I think I'd, I'd try and find out. I'd definitely pursue the crocodile. Because, like, if you don't, then it, the sister's just gone forever, right? Yeah, if she takes exactly. The, if the crocodile takes her to the, to the bottom of the water, like, that's it. She's in the death so, roll. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to try. What about you, Charlotte? <laughs> yeah, I'm also just very conscious of the fact I'm not a very strong swimmer. But my sister is a strong swimmer. Maybe so, the other way around. Maybe yeah, she's actually, to, if I'm, yeah, if I'm brutally honest, I think it would be me who was being eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> And my sister would be the one valiantly <laughs> fighting it. Oh. Uh, yeah, past events do suggest that that would be the situation. <laughs> but I just, I love that. That's it, because we, we're never tested. Well, not never, but we're so rarely expected to do feats of like incredible physical yeah. bravery because our lives are just not set up for that. But I just really admire that people still have it in them. Love yeah. makes you do it. So, Jean, have you got any nice nugs for me this week? Yes, I have some very wholesome news. Yay. I just became obsessed with this tidbit from a story I read about... It was like a roundup about pop stars who have a second wind and enter a different career after their pop star career is over. Um, And it led me down a real rabbit hole because one (laughs) of the examples was JB Jill from JLS. Oh. I know. So random. What a so, throwback. I know. I don't know why we're so like 2008 focused today, but this is the situation. <laughs> so JLS obviously runners up for the X Factor in 2008, subsequently had some great hits, including oh, yeah. Beat Again. Do you remember that? Oh, the what video. a good song. Such good dance moves. Um, but then... Four years ago, he set up a farm in the Kent countryside where he lives with his wife and children. 
Um, and he produces Kelly Bronze turkeys and free-range Tamworth pork. Aww. So he's basically become a farmer, and he also hosts a CBB show called Down on the Farm, where he educates children about where their food comes from. That's so cute. Isn't oh that my God. so cute and so unexpected? Like, who yeah. knew? So now I'm just looking to get my turkeys from JB Jill next yeah. Christmas. Welcome to this or that, where we pit two popular items against each other and see which one comes out on top. So for this week, we did a sporting themed this or that because mm. it is the summer of sport. Um, so we <laughs> pitched Euros 2020 against Wimbledon. Wait, is it the- 2021? No, it's they call it 2020 because it was meant oh, to be in 2020. Oh my god! I know it's like we're living in the past. I wish we could do that with everything. Like I wish we could just pretend that we hadn't aged a year. That yeah, we hadn't lost a year of our life. Anyway, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's 2020. A good idea, yeah, so Euros 2020 versus Wimbledon, and the results were overwhelmingly in favour of the football. 82% right. in favour of the football versus 18% tennis. Which I think is surely skewed by the fact that as we record this, things might change. I don't know. Mm. But as we record this, Touch England wood. is doing quite well in the Euros. It's um, coming home, everybody. Yeah, it's coming home. Um, thoughts, feelings, opinions on that? I'm not I'm not surprised. I have to say, I'm, I did vote in this poll, but I've actually not watched a full match of football or tennis this year I don't think I've ever watched a full tennis match I have watched a full football match but usually when like my dad is there and I kind of have to Mm. um I feel like I should like for especially for the net I don't know what our next match is but I'm guessing it's a big one like yeah it's it's today babes oh lol (laughs) (laughs) well I probably won't watch it then but (laughs) if I like if I if my friends were doing social events where we watched it which I think your friends are and a lot of people's friends are I would obviously attend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be like, fuck, no, like, whatever. But I know a lot of people that are really into tennis and that love tennis, like, religiously watch it every year. Watching sport isn't really my cup of tea. However, I, I totally get why people are really into it. Mm. And I was telling my friend the other day, I was like, I really think it's the way that boys are, like, allowed to express their emotions watching sport. Yeah, that's I don't so know how true. you feel about that. Yeah. And it is, like, watching tennis is tense, isn't it? Because it's, like, silent and the yeah. ball is, like, going everywhere anyway the um, outfits are also good they can be good at Wimbledon mm. so that's something as well I and think there are ladies in Wimbledon whereas... yeah actually famously there are women involved <laughs> <laughs> well there there is women's football and actually I've noticed in the past few months if not years there are finally like far more female pundits because there used to be just no women like mm. w- on football matches you never used to have female commentators or in the studio they never used to be asking opinions of like female footballers but now yeah. finally there is that which is really satisfying to see watching sport in general i think there are various aspects to it aren't there my the thing that holds me back with football is just like how it's so solidly in the masculine domain that's what puts me off is that I feel mm. like we're at a stage where it's been just a man thing for so long that I, I feel excluded from it and I don't really mm. want to buy into it because I'm like, well, why would I? But that's contradicted by the fact that I can totally see why you'd love it. 
because it's yeah. like it's it's got the emotion the ups and downs it's got the like statistics bit it's got the unpredictability of the game it's like really relaxing to watch you can just like sit back and you're not really thinking of anything else it's quite meditative um so I can totally see why people get really into it but it's just like the masculine sphere yeah. thing that I can't get over however having said that these euros I have got so into them I love mm. football now <laughs> I follow the England team on Instagram. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. And they've actually post very regularly. So that has really accelerated my fandom by a lot. Yeah. So I've been enjoying it. But also I read this really interesting statistic that since the beginning of the Euros, Cristiano Ronaldo, who plays Portugal, has become the highest paid Instagram influencer. Ooh, but he's also an incredibly highly paid footballer. That's not fair. Yeah, Give I know. To an influencer who like grafts, you know? God, <laughs> Cristiano. <laughs> well, actually, I think this article was saying that he earns more as an influencer than he does as a footballer. Shit. Yeah, I know. Really it's actually crazy. He's the most followed person on Instagram. He has over 300 wow. million followers, which I found remarkable just because I would never consider following him. Yeah, me neither. So I'm a bit but, like, who? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Who is following him? Maybe just um, everyone who's into football. Some women find him attractive, so maybe ladies follow him. Oh, surely candy, not. You know? Surely not. The Adam's apple. His Adam's apple is so aggressively large. That's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting observation. <laughs> um, I don't find he's not. I wouldn't say he's my type, but. I mean, he's not gross to look at, you know? Oh, I think he is a bit. He's so, okay, the fair. thing is, he's so arrogant as well. He's such an mm. arrogant person. He's, like, so off-putting in his personality. Personally, I think rugby players are more attractive. What? Just hot take. Well, <laughs> they are. They're, like, you know, substantial. Beefy. Beefy, yeah. They look like they could, like, just pick you up, like you're the ball, and it would be no <laughs> issue kind of vibes. <laughs> any other facts about Christiane? um yeah she is quite funny i mean considering that i don't really like him that much as a person it's quite pleasing to see what kind of products he endorses they include anti-dandruff shampoo well, which obviously is fair enough people need to use anti-dandruff shampoo. Glam, though, no but it's so not million, glam exactly dollars. i was expecting like rolex watches like lamborghinis yeah. all this kind of thing but it's like shampoo he also the the other people in the top 10 list of the highest paid influencers are such a random mishmash. Meaning the next highest person is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Wow. I know. He's just an actor though, isn't he? Yeah, he's an actor, but I was thinking about this. I think it's because he has a really cute baby daughter. Mm. So it's and like he a... looks crazy next to her because he's this massive yes. guy and she's like an adorable yeah. Yeah. So visually that's kind of a monopoly on like giant man, cute baby. <laughs> Um, didn't know that was one of the world's uh, fetishes but obviously <laughs> it is giant man cute baby <laughs> so Shah, have you read anything recently that you got to talk to me about I have I finally got round to reading The Thursday Murder Club which is um... the first novel by Richard Osman the extremely tall host of Pointless. Mm. I Apparently this is common knowledge, but I didn't realise how tall he is. He's six foot seven. OMG, that is really tall. I know, it's so <laughs> tall. Anyway, but that's by the by. Um, so he, he's written this book and it was really successful when it came out. It like mm-hmm. broke records for hardback sales. Um, it's just come out in paperback. 
Um, and it's kind of a comedy slash murder mystery with the twist that it's set in a luxury retirement village in the English nice. countryside. So it's this retirement village called Cooper's Chase. And the title comes from the club that four friends in this retirement village set up where they try and solve homicide cases uh, from the past. And he's he's done the characters really well. They're, so they're all obviously quite elderly people. And there's Joyce, who is a retired nurse and this kind of little busybody who's really friendly and everyone likes her. Um, Ibrahim, who's a psychiatrist. Uh, Ron, who was like a firebrand left-wing campaigner in his heyday, who still is obsessed with protesting and like <laughs> rallying the troops. Um, and then Elizabeth, who's this very stern, determined lady who has a kind of mysterious past, which seems to be rooted in her being in the secret services, but no one's quite sure. So they bring all their kind of different skills to this club um, and try and solve these cases. But then the owner of their retirement village, who's this very kind of arrogant, overbearing, insufferable guy, is murdered. And they then have to turn their efforts to solving the live case. Um, Wow. So it's been praised for various reasons. I think the most prominent thing is that it's a really touching lesson not to dismiss older people because Mm. these characters, they have all their talents and all their experience and they shouldn't be overlooked just because, for example, they are not up to date with the latest technology or things that we often would easily dismiss older people for. And there's some other really poignant passages. There's stuff about like love in old age, kind of how to cope when your long-term partner has a debilitating illness, like these stories where people have just loved each other for decades and now they're at the end of their lives and the dynamics have to shift slightly. So Um, cute. Yeah, it's really touching. It's really well done. But I thought it fit in well to this wider trend that I recognised recently of content and shows about older people that Mm. I have really enjoyed so I just wanted to run through a few other options because I think these are really worth seeing and they're things that I don't know if you read the description of them you might think okay that's not aimed at me so I'm not going to go for it but honestly I can't recommend these things enough because I just I absolutely love them um so firstly there's Grace and Frankie on Netflix Um, which is a comedy with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. It's a series where, so they're both giants of like Hollywood, essentially of Hollywood comedy. And um, Jane Fonda was uh, like a sex symbol in the 60s. She was Barbarella um, in like a sexy silver swimsuit, but now she's in her 80s um, playing this um, elderly character. So the series starts when they're in their 70s. Um, and their characters, Grace and Frankie, basically become unlikely friends because their respective husbands leave them for each other. So their oh, husbands, it's fine. turned out, yeah, they've been having like... Wife swap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 not no, no. The husbands leave each other. They, like, they've been having a oh, gay affair. Gay. Yeah. Oh my God, sorry. I thought it was like the... Yeah. No, oh gosh, yeah, crazy. it's that. So they're kind of, they're both left slightly bereft and have to rebuild their lives um, after this quite massive shock. 
and it's really sweet and then later series become a little bit more silly but equally as enjoyable they Mm -hmm. they eventually set up a vibrator business that's aimed at the demographic of like post-menopausal women um so that's really it's honestly so worth a watch it's really enjoyable and then kind of along similar lines i became obsessed with the golden girls during lockdown um yeah have you seen it at all no i so i haven't but you know i watch rupaul rupaul's drag race and they talk about it all the time because it's like one of RuPaul's favourite, favourite shows. So I really should. But Yeah, um, you honestly just... really should. It's just okay. been released on Disney+. Plus, um, and I think that's quite a tactical move because they're clearly trying to get younger viewers into the show. And honestly, you would absolutely love it. It's, oh, this, really? it's a sitcom from the 1980s and it's about four women. Three of them are in their 50s. Um, and then another is in her 80s and they all live together in Miami and they just they're like dating they're working they're living their best life they're eating cheesecake um the best character is um a woman called Blanche who's based on Blanche from a streetcar named Desire she's like this ridiculously oversexed southern belle um but here she's kind of in her middle age and the the jokes are just so well written like every single line is genuinely so funny yeah I can't describe to you how good it is to watch because you just like everything they say is just hilarious that Um, sounds really good yeah so you should definitely give it a watch I think it's it's really exciting that it's on this new platform and hopefully more people will kind of revisit it and he makes such an impact even though he's meant to be under the radar he makes such an impact on the community in this care home that when he leaves three months later at the end of his kind of stint working for the private investigator, everyone is really sorry to see him go. Um, So I would really recommend that as well. It's very short. I think it's only about 80 minutes long. So that's my roundup of content about um, more elderly people that I just think is brilliant. Um, Cute. What a nice little genre. (laughs) Yeah, it's such such a nice subgenre. And also I think it's just, it's very reassuring and inspiring to watch these kind of things where people in their 80s are still having such a great time yeah definitely (laughs) yeah because it just gives you gives you something to kind of base your own aspirations on in a way that I think is really important yeah definitely this is ask gen z we're here for all your troubles and dilemmas bringing our combined 46 years of experience on this earth to give you the best advice we can So our Agony Aunt question this week comes from a person who calls themselves RT, mm. short for retweet perhaps, who can say? Um, and they say, should I keep or delete people I know from school, but who I'm not close with? And they say specifically on Instagram, but I think we should right. broaden this maybe to social media in general. Okay. So what are your thoughts on this? If people that you kind of, you knew at school, but you're never going to speak to again, you still have them on social media, do you ax them or do you keep them? I think this is a really good question because I have been deleted by some people from face on Facebook. And I really? also delete, yeah, and I have deleted people as well. I think it depends how far away from school you are or if you're thinking about uni, how far away from uni you are. Because I think why I was a bit upset when some people from school deleted me because it was like, I think it was maybe even the summer after school or like Whoa, the year brutal. after. Yeah, um, at some lame boys from my school who unfollowed <laughs> me. I actually didn't even notice it was a friend 
also from our sixth form who said, oh my God, all these boys have unfollowed me. And so I checked and then some of them have unfollowed <laughs> me. Um, but now I have a soft spot in my heart for the ones in that group that didn't unfollow me. And I'm like, you guys are nice. <laughs> Your friends You are not. loyal hoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's the only reason why I cared. And I think if they'd unfollowed me now, I wouldn't care because I know like sometimes you just have too many random people on Facebook. Yeah. And like you think, why am I friends with them? I never even spoke to them at school then I think it's fair to delete. I personally, I do think people that take a lot of time to think about their Facebook now, I think you're lame because I don't think about my <laughs> Facebook. And like, <laughs> I would not take the time to go through my Facebook to delete people, to be honest. Like I said, I've deleted no. people, but actually I don't really remember if I have. So yeah, if you think about me that much that you care to delete me, you're lame in conclusion. Because <laughs> I don't even think about myself that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, what God, I want that on are... a tea towel. I would buy that on a tea towel. If you think about me that much, you're lame. Like, I don't I think... even think about me that much. <laughs> I think the people that obviously sat around in a group and were like, eh, let's delete her. Like, you are so lame. <laughs> Do you not realise how lame you are? Anyway, <laughs> please tell me what you think. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, just generally, I'm a person that likes to keep things neat and tidy. Hmm. So if I can kind of streamline my social media, I guess I would. The difference for me is that also I don't really care about Facebook. I think Facebook yeah. is the platform of a bygone age, especially when you've left uni and you don't need to be like on all those events and stuff. Yes. yeah. It's just basically a pointless platform. Yeah. But for Instagram, the main reason would be if you get some satisfaction or like fun from just finding out what people you vaguely know are doing, mm. then that's fair enough. Because I do remember there have been times with our French group where I've been the last to know about some acquaintance of ours like doing something kind of crazy oh, and interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. just because I don't follow them on social media. But if you're fine to kind of sacrifice that and it doesn't mean that much to you, then I think it is quite nice. My sister only has, like, she's kept her Instagram very boutique. Mm. She's very selective with who she lets follow her. And I think that is kind of the way to go about it because you know yeah. that everyone who's on there, you're fine to communicate like your your genuine life to them in a way that you don't have to do this whole glamorous facade um, yeah I really respect and I know like one of our friends she has a very small instant she posts every day mm. and I really like that because I feel like the people that follow her they actually want to see everything she does in her yeah. life every day and so if you don't know her that well you're obviously not going to be like well yeah I'll follow her blah 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 yeah so her Instagram is really nice like you feel like you actually get a sense of her life mm. whereas with mine or with maybe with yours like I don't know I'm sometimes scared to post things because of the random yeah. 200 people that I have on there but like mm. I don't know I think I'm just trying to care less to be honest about all these things yeah <laughs> care less by telling people they're lame yeah you're all lame guys <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you to all our listeners and social media followers. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember to follow us on social media at From A to Gen Z on Instagram, From A to Gen Z with Connie and Jarlet on Facebook, and at From A to Gen Z Pod on Twitter. Tune in next time for another episode of From A to Gen Z.